seven days a week. So with that, um, the next area is really what we do for the Iraqi security forces from the J-Force perspective. Uh, there's a whole section of uh, A&T in, in uh, USFI that does the big heavy lifting of, of supporting the Iraqi forces each and every day. So J-4 has a small piece of that. And really the two areas that we, we operate in is foreign excess personal property and United States equipment to the Iraqis, or what we call USETI. So with that, uh, the foreign excess personal property piece um, was established by Congress, uh, congressional law, uh, which is the 40 USC, uh, outlines specific use, particularly for Iraq, from DASD, uh, from OSD in June of 05, and we've been using that authority since present. And what that does is it gives us the ability to, to take excess personal property uh, and transfer it uh, to the Iraqis. Uh, and, that, and that personal property is pretty much what we call CMGO property, which is contractor-managed contract, uh, contractor government-owned property. So that's white trucks, that's reefer vans, that's the desk I'm sitting at, that's a, a bunch of different property that we have out there that's commercial and grade. We have a very distinct process we go through to whether to determine whether it's excess or not. Uh, we start out 60 days out from the base closure and we work through um, uh, whether or not uh, the, each of the different uh, sites that we use or sites that we have out there determine what is on that site from the contractor. We transfer it back into U.S. government control. We inventory it all. That comes up to the J-4 and then we go through a 60-day process of vetting that property to make sure that it's all excess. So we make sure we fill all the requirements up first, and then I'll go through a little bit of that later on. Once that's all done, we, I sign the final FEP packages for that property, and then the Iraqi on the other side of the house uh, signs for it at the, at the site that the, is being transferred. We do that for each of the different sites that we transfer, um, as well as what we call tiered authority FEP. Tiered authority, sir, Tiered authority theft is a process where if we have a, uh, a capability that we're trying to transfer to uh, a government of Iraq, uh, maybe it's uh, a generator or something of that nature, we can have the authority to transfer that one item and it may not be allocated to a, uh, uh, a site, but it's going to a different place for a specific capability. And we do those as well. So with that, uh, just kind of give you a, a rough order of magnitude. Uh, so far, we, we've uh, had a fair market value of about $157 million uh, worth of stuff in OIF1 that we've done. And in OF2, I mean, in, uh, in uh, OND, we've done $247 million worth of property that we've transferred. Uh, and it's gone to various ministers, so Minister of Interior, uh, Minister of Defense, uh, other security forces, and other ministries. So uh, has a fair share piece of it. Majority of it's gone to Minister of Defense. For the for the USETI pro process, the United States equipment uh, is only three percent of the overall equipping process for um, the government of Iraq for mission essential capability. And this ties into FMS and FMF processes that are already out there. And we have three authorities which we operate under 516, 1234, and then the FEP process as well. 
Currently, we have 43,646 items on, on the items to transfer, and we're 58% complete doing that, and, and different percentages for each of the different authorities. So really not a trans transition now to our mission for transitioning the universe to U, uh, U.S. Mission Iraq. Uh, on 31 December, we will transfer all everything over as for the enduring uh, presence for uh, and our strategic uh, abilities to the mission here, so the Department of State. We have, uh, right now, as we, we work hand-in-hand -hand with the Department of State to make those transitions. Uh, it's a, it's, a, number, it's a, a priority for General Austin to make sure we do this transition correctly. Uh, so that's Department of State, that's the OSCI, INL, and all the different sites that they're going to occupy in Iraq uh, and make sure that they're all functioning. That goes from base life support to medical to maintenance of, of stuff that they have to, to do in order that we've been doing as U.S. forces here for the last uh, uh, year. Um, in that right now today, as we're making the transitions, uh, just as a, as a point of reference, we've, we've transferred 32,655 items to uh, Department of State for the stand-up of their sites uh, throughout Iraq. Uh, so, and there's more to come uh, as well. Those are what we consider the critical pieces of equipment to do the transfers. Uh, roughly $78 million worth of uh, equipment. And with that, we will also have uh, green equipment, or we call it green, which is DOD green, uh, DOD military equipment that we'll be transferring to them. Um, 219 line items that we say, different types of items that we'll be transferring as well. And those, th those will be coming out of excess defense articles, sales from stocks, or loans from the U.S. government, uh, from the Department of Defense to the Department of State. So... With that, let me just kind of jump right into the reposture phase of, of our business. Um, I like this kind of state up front. We started out at the beginning of uh, uh, Operation uh, New Dawn with 80 sites. Uh, we're uh, I'm sorry, 94 sites. Uh, we're down to 48 sites today, and we have seven that will be uh, shutting down uh, in the month of August. So we've been actually been closing uh, sites down as we've been uh, throughout this this last year, um, which has been driving pretty much how our equipment flows out and how everything closes based on our site closures. And we have a lot of a lot of people that help us with this process. We have the 310th Expeditionary Sustainment Command, the First Theater Sustainment Command, Defense Logistics Agency, Army Material Command. Um, and the 402nd Army Field uh, Support Brigade, all those people help us get through all the post all the positioning that we need to do to make sure we reposture all our forces. So what does that what does that mean? Um, so roughly, you're, you're looking. We have currently left remaining is about one million items left. And what we've done so far since September is 1.7 million items. We've already uh, departed the uh, been departed. Um, in the, in the area, or we have uh, what we call theft over to the Iraqis. Um, and there's different categories of that, that property, and we track all that, all that down. And we do that through our redistribution property assistance teams. We call them as RPATs throughout 402nd run. 
Where does the equipment go? Uh, it goes uh, to the Iraqis, part of the FEP process. It also goes to the National Association of State Agencies for Surplus Property. And we also transfer stuff to out the CINCOM AOR, uh, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Djibouti, Bahrain, and other areas that we, they, they give us the priority list. We have a very defined process for all that. That, that redistribution process works and it's very methodical in nature how we uh, put it all into a computer system and it spits out uh, where all that property needs to go. Uh, with that, I'll just kind of leave it open for questions now. Great, sir. Thank you. Um, before we begin questions, do we have anyone else joining the line? I joined uh, Michael Hoffman with Defense News. Michael Hoffman, okay, thank you. Yeah, and this is Phil Ewing with DOD Bus. I'm sorry? Phil Ewing with DOD Bus. Okay, thank you. And this is Chris Carroll with Stars and Stripes. Carroll with Stars and Stripes, thank you so much. Charles Morrison, the Heritage Foundation. Okay. All right. Friday. Thank you. Um, with that, we begin our question and answer portion. Um, Dale Kissinger, did you have a question? I do. Thank you very much, General. Dale Kissinger from MilitaryAvenue.com. Um, recently, Admiral Mullen uh, condemned interference from Iran in Iraq, and I was wondering if that's having any impact on transfer of equipment. Are there any things that are impacting how we're doing it? Um, no, not at, the, not at the time. I mean, it's not interfering with our everyday processes that we, we, we do. I mean, it's a concern, uh, as Admiral Mullen uh, mentioned in, in his interview and, and process. Uh, on the everyday basis, we still operate uh, day in and day out. And force protection is our number one uh, priority here, is to make sure that we protect our troops uh, each, and our contractors each and every day. So, uh, So it's not having any impact there. Thank you very much, sir. Um, Gail Harris, did you have a question? Yes, I do. General, thank you for your time. Uh, there were reports in the press today that the Iraqi government is finally taking a first step and requesting that the U.S. keep some troops behind. As complex uh, as the logistics process is, uh, I would suspect you, you probably have been looking at some uh, alternative plans but um, how how challenging is this going to be if they make a decision at the last minute that they want to retain some U.S. troops? Right, right now we are driving at the current plan, which is going to, uh, to zero based on the agreements that we currently have. Any other agreements that come about are really uh, up to the government of Iraq and the, and, and the United States government and the political world. And then we will told what we what we will do in that process. This is a matter of physics, though. We, as we get further along the, along the path of what we do, uh, it gets harder and harder in that process. Uh, there is a momentum that starts in the process as we start closing sites down, uh, that, that you start ending contracts and you start moving uh, property in and out of, uh, and, and troops and contractors off the, off the uh, out of Iraq. So as time goes on, it becomes much harder uh, uh, for us to, to work um, options. Thank you. Chuck Sims, did you have a question? I did. Uh, good evening, General. Chuck Simmons from America's North Shore Journal. 
when we first moved into Iraq, uh, there were problems with uh, transporting uh, troops uh, through Turkey. And uh, now that we're moving out of Iraq, uh, is Kuwait the only exit, or are we able to utilize routes through Turkey and uh, Jordan uh, to kind of make uh, things a little bit easier on uh, on the Kuwaiti. Well, I, uh, I was at, I'm actually was part of the Fourth Infantry Division, the floating portillo that didn't get through uh, uh, Turkey uh, during that period of time. So I know that well uh, from 2003 and 2004. So um, right now uh, we have no plans pretty to send things back through Turkey, although Turkey does support us uh, a lot. We, we send uh, fuel and other goods through Turkey that come in from Turkey to Iraq, and then the, their empty trucks go back through there. But right now, we don't have a lot of, uh, of uh, pushing of, we have sent stuff, uh, what we call the end-to-end -end process through Turkey uh, from commercial type items uh, that have left uh, Iraq to go to Afghanistan. Um, and that was probably six, seven, eight months ago, probably longer than that, probably a year in that process. Um, but we do uh, we do have a lot of other uh, alternatives as we go through. Um, uh, we actually ship things to the port of Umkasar down in, in Iraq as well as uh, out of Kuwait, and we do send some things to uh, Jordan, but the majority of our stuff still goes through Kuwait. Thank you. And we had someone on the line from Al Jazeera English. I'm sorry, I missed your name. Did you have a question? No, I don't have any questions. Thank you. Okay, not a problem. Um, AR News, did you have a question? I'm good, thanks. Um, Carlo from AOL Defense, did you have a question? I did. Uh, General, uh, just wanted to uh, follow up on the question regarding um, the possible uh, change uh, or the possible uh, keeping of U.S. troops in Iraq. I know you said you're kind of moving moving on course is, um, you know, with the regular withdrawal plan. But uh, there were some comments made earlier this month um, on the Hill by uh, Mr. Estevez saying that there were also a number of tripwires that were in place. And once those um, tripwires were hit, then um, the logistics chain could sort of get ramped back up um, to support um, any troop levels. Can you give me an idea of what some of those tripwires are that Mr. Estevez was talking about? I don't, I don't have any specific knowledge of, of what Mr. Estevez was on, on those tripwires. I mean, as we know exactly what our plan is as we draw down and the sites that we're closing and the sequencing we do uh, as we go through that, as we go through um, from now until December 31st and, and as we move uh, uh, soldiers, cellular and marine out of, out of country as well as the equipment. And as we close those sites, I mean, those are the areas that we, we, will, we will lose um, capability at at that point in time. Uh, so as, as the time goes on, you know, it's, it's hard to say, okay, uh, what are you actually going to lose or, or gain out of, out, of the, out, of the, out of the process? So we do, number one is we don't know what the end state is because uh, we have no official uh, requirements uh, right now. And so until the Iraqis do the formalized ask, and our government uh, – Makes a determination of what they want to do, then we'll figure that out from from our end at that point in time. Over. Okay, uh, General. Uh, just a quick follow-up. Then, are there any of those sites or locations that you've sort of maybe pre-identified that if the word does come down, you will need 
these sites to be to be active, regardless of what the troop level agreement may be. And as you as you kind of rack and stack those closures, have you put those those locations sort of on the back end, closing them last, just in case to give the Iraqis more time? Uh, no, we haven't. I mean, we're we're actually on a on a glide path based on drawing everything to zero, and that's our primary goal right now because that's the orders we've been given. So we're driving towards that that end state um, right now. All right. Thank you, sir. Michael Hoffman, did you have a question? Uh, yes, I did. Um, I, I I was interested in talking about logistics for the Iraqis. Um, when I was out there uh, a couple, uh, almost about a year ago now, uh, a big issue was really trying to stand up the logistics capabilities for the Iraqis to take over. I'm wondering where that is in terms of uh, training up that capability um, and really setting that up, them up on uh, for that transition um, going forward. That's really not my area of expertise. Uh, I, I, I deal with it transcendentally a little bit about about transferring equipment to them uh, as far as that process goes. Okay. Um, Mr. Oath uh, from A and uh, from A and T, assistant train, advise in a train uh, area that Thunder Lieutenant General Farragher, um works that area. They call it. Uh, Cell and works that piece uh, day in and day out. Uh, as far as they do, I mean, they they they, they monitor what they do as part of the um, each and every day. I mean, it's monitored, it's tracked um, as far as where they're at in their processes. Um, and uh, I, I will tell you, though, know, that they do support themselves. We don't support them right now, so they 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 are they are supporting themselves through the programs that we we currently have. And, uh, and and operate in the field each and every day. Over. Okay. Just a quick follow-up to that. Just in terms of the transfer of the equipment that you were talking about, have you seen um, any improvements in terms of when that handoff is done, the, the accountab accountability for that equipment, um, and the movement um, into some of the depots in uh, kind of in a more smooth transition period? Uh, a lot. Some of the equipment, particularly in the in the uh, uh, USETI program uh, goes into the depot, uh, the general supply depot at, at Taji. Uh, most of the other stuff on a, on a, on a site uh, is transferred at the site and then doesn't does not go anywhere that, that we know. I mean, it, it's transferred to them as part of the uh, operating uh, location, uh, a base. So you usually turn it over to, to uh, uh, an army unit, air force unit. Uh, Navy unit, uh, and they actually uh, are operating out of those sites. So that's that's the containerized housing units, the generation generating, uh, the air conditioning units, all the things that operate out of a, out of those locations. Um, so those pretty much stay at those locations. They sign for the property. Uh, we do a very formalized process of doing a joint inventory between the United States and uh, the Iraqis. Uh, depending on the size of the location, it could take a couple weeks in order to get that done. Uh, and then once they're done, they, they sign for the property. We take a, uh, a copy of it and we file it over. Have they transferred over to a computer-based filing system, or is it still a paper-based uh, system um, that they they have had to not bring with? Uh, you're talking about Ataji? Um, Ataji. Or 
They, I, I am not sure which one, if they're using the IAM program, uh, Iraqi, I can't remember what IAM stands for, but uh, they do have the IAM program, but I'm not sure if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's up and running for, <laughs> as they enter to it or not, over. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Phil from DOD Buzz, did you have a question? Yes. Uh, thank you for your time, General. I wanted to ask uh, about how billing and receipts and payments work as a part of this. Are uh, the gear that you're transferring, including your desk that you mentioned and your white trucks and other pieces of equipment, basically, uh, you know, being given to the Iraqis and then they'll pay for it later, or are they getting it uh, for free, or how does the accounting aspect of this process work? They get it for free. Um, we do an analysis, as I tried to explain a little earlier in the process, is we do it and make sure that it's excess to the United States government. We do a business case analysis on every uh, packet that we do, uh, line item by line item, to determine whether or not it's cost advantage uh, for us to take the items home uh, or whether or not just it's better off for us to, to leave it here. Most of the stuff that we have has been used for seven-plus years, and so when you're talking power generation, it's a 220 generator, uh, not necessarily usable in the United States, but it's got seven years of, of uh, a use on it. Uh, so therefore, the same with the containerized housing units, to transport it and do all those things, to de-scope the contracts would cost us more money than, than actually uh, just giving it to them uh, uh, as we do right now. Yes, sir. Thank you. If I could just ask one quick follow-up. Can you tell us how you prioritize what gear goes by ship um, and what you fly out, if indeed you're flying anything out? Uh, we don't, I don't necessarily make those priorities. The U.S. Central Command does. Uh, they give us a list of the requirements uh, that, that are, need to be sourced outside of Iraq. Um, whether or not it needs to be flown or not is up to that process. So, Primarily, if it's going to Afghanistan, usually it will fly uh, if it's got an urgent need requirement for it. If there's no urgent need for it, then it will go by surface over. Okay, sir. Thank you. Chris, from, Chris Carroll from Stars and Stripes, do you have a question? Uh, yes, thanks. Uh, thank you, General. wanted to uh, jump back to the, uh, the dollar values that you mentioned uh, in your, your opening statement. Said 157 million and 247 million. Uh, does that represent what has already been transferred? And what's the difference between those two numbers? And how much is yet to be transferred in dollar values? I'm sure I can give you a dollar value right now on what needs, to, what has to be transferred at the end, because we're still doing. Uh, uh, I, I call. Uh, Lateral transfers to like Department of State and other requirements as we go through that. So it's not all property will be. Is, when we go through the process of closing a site down, as we go towards the end, we make a determination of each and every one of those sites as, go, as we go down each site and close them. Uh, what happens to that property? So uh, we don't put a dollar value on any of that stuff until the point in time that we have to, uh, about six days out, and we do the final paperwork on it. Uh, the first number I gave, the one, the one point, uh, still there? Yeah. Appearance. 
the, the, the first number I gave you, the 157, was OIF, so that's what's been done in the, in the before Operation New Dawn. The $247 million of fair market value uh, has been done since uh, Operation New Dawn, which is 1 September. Thank you. Thanks. Um, Charles Morrison, did you have a question? Uh, no, thank you, ma'am. I'm good. Okay. We'll go back around the, um, the horn. Uh, Dale, did you have an additional question, follow-up? Yes, sir. General, can you put a cost figure on the transportation of returning equipment to the U.S. or to other commands? Uh, no, no, I don't really track how much it costs. Uh, it has to go. <laughs> so we, we use uh, organic trucks uh, we have here already on contract. Uh, uh, both uh, the contracts we have here in, uh, in Iraq and also with the First theater sustainment as forward out of Kuwait and all stuff out. And uh, I don't know how much it costs all that. Uh, there's quite a bit of movements of stuff going back and forth when you look at all the amount of equipment that has to go over. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Gil Harris, did you have a follow up question? No, I didn't. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chuck Simmons, did you have a follow-up question? Yes, I did. Uh, General, I've read several really good articles um, on what the United States does uh, when it, before it turns a site over to the Iraqis, um, the different evaluations and cleanup processes. Um, what do the Iraqis do before they accept a site? Do they have an evaluation process? Do they? How does it work? Uh, on their side. That's really the, the RJ7 General Donahue works the, the, the actual uh, site closure uh, process. We do. I do the equipping piece of the of the process. He does the environmental and the actual physical property. Okay. Well, then right. speak to um, how the Iraqis handle equipment transfer. They, they, they account for it all. Um, they, they look at it. They actually inspect it as they go through the process. Uh, one of the, we make sure that everything is uh, in workable order uh, when we turn it over. Uh, we want to turn over a good functioning property to the Iraqis as we turn everything over to them. Uh, so they go through that process. Uh, we make adjustments if there's any uh, uh, adjustments to be made on the, on the paperwork. Uh, and that's resubmitted back up to us for... Um, uh, signature, and we readjust the, the quantities if there's a quantity change. Uh, that includes uh, decreases as well as increases. They're, they're, they, they will actually tell us there's actually one more air conditioner that you missed over on this side of the building and as we go through the inventory and we'll add that item and it could be just the opposite is time, you know, because these packets are done 60 days out, things do move around a little bit as on each of the different locations. So do they, do they, they ever do a, reject they do a very Again. Yes, sir. Do they ever reject equipment? Uh, I have not experienced any of them in, uh, uh, rejecting any equipment that, that I can think of. Over. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Um, Carlos, AOL Defense, did you have additional questions? Uh, I did. Um, General, I just wanted to follow up on two things. Uh, the first point, sir, 
Uh, you talked about some of the uh, the green uh, material coming out, um, the DoD specific type equipment um, that's being stepped over or transferred to other AOs. Um, and to, uh, with that equipment, how much of that is 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 um, is is not vehicles, but actual um, weapons, um, tanks, uh, armored personnel carriers, uh, those sorts of things, and even artillery pieces, that sort of thing. How much of that stuff has been stepped over to the Iraqis? We don't step uh, combat equipment or green equipment over. Um, okay. So we use five. We use five sixteen excess uh, defense articles or twelve thirty four authorities. Uh, twelve thirty four authorities. Uh, for and I'm talking primarily the USETI program that we currently use now. 1234 is non-excess items, particularly what uh, on that are uh, up-armored Humvees okay. uh, that we have transferred, 50 cal machine guns, okay. uh, some 40-ton low boys, and items like that. Okay. About 1,300 or so items that, in that process. Okay. The 516 excess defense articles that <laughs> other items over. Okay. And those are separate from what you're from from the the numbers and the quantities you gave earlier. Um, right, I've got the numbers here. Hang on one second. And okay. I'll, those numbers afterwards. I, I got to find a little piece of paper I have. Sure. Here. No problem, sir. And I guess the other um, the other question I had was um, in terms of the stuff that's being uh, moved over to Afghanistan. You said some of the some of that material was in response to urgent operational needs. Can you go into detail about that? About what some of that equipment is, and um, and go from there. Um, well, at the at the, at the at the when we started doing the build up into Afghanistan, primarily MRAPs, uh, anything that we could that we came off of, and it's really an, what we call the RDOF-1 uh, process in last year, June timeframe, mm -hmm. as we were coming off those critical pieces of equipment that's now. Uh, right now, as we transfer primarily uh, um, some radio equipment back and forth, um, fire trucks are really important as we're starting to build up those uh, uh, sites in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. so we're coming off that type of process. So, it varies uh, the different types of equipment that they need. They, they give that, we, and we follow what they call a CENTCOM priority list of what the things that they want us to send. Okay. All right. Thanks, sir. And Michael Hoffman, did you have additional follow-up? No, I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you. Phil from DOD Buzz, did you have a follow-up question? No, thanks. Okay. Uh, Chris Carroll, did you have a follow-up? And one of the, did anyone else have any additional questions? Chuck, I've got one. Okay. General, when we transfer uh, equipment to the Iraqis, do we transfer it to them at the existing location for the equipment? Do we transport it to a location where they accept it? Or do they do the transporting after acceptance? Uh, almost all the almost all the property is is at at the location uh, transfer. We do have some equipment that comes in through um, the, some sites that goes to Todd. Very small percentage of the property does that, uh, and that's really we're just trying to get the outlying um, excess property that's uh, uh, 
this out. It's primarily green type 516 equipment that we have to do. But almost all the base equipment stays at the location. So the majority of the things that we transfer stay at the at the uh, site that we're, we're uh, turning over to the rack. Thank you. If that's all of our questions. This um, is Todd Lopez with Army News Service. Hey, good morning, General, or good afternoon, sir. Can you, uh, I, you've said a couple things like generators and chews and uh, those kind of things. Can you just give a rundown of a list of the types of things, equipment, property that's being transferred to the Iraqis? Um, sure. Um, we have a couple of different categories that we use, and I have some different authorities that go with uh, foreign excess personal property as we go through that. We, what we call a little bit of this is what we call fob in a box, uh, Ford operating base in a box. Uh, and that and that goes, for example, that's the choose, that's uh, uh, T-walls uh, that we have, jersey barriers, uh, water and fuel tanks, air conditioning units, generators, refrigerators, freezers, porta johns beds and mattresses, office equipment, uh, tents, guard shacks, uh, dining facility equipment and dining facilities that we have that are out there, washers and dryers. I mean, those, those types of things that are at every uh, one of our sites uh, that we have and operate out of, all that pretty much stays. Then we have the other category of stuff that we have, which, which uh, we have to go really and look at the priority systems that we have, which are forklifts, uh, you know, fire department stuff, uh, all the other uh, uh, large trucks, uh, non-tactical vehicles, uh, we're talking semi-trucks, all those things that we operate each every day uh, to, to, to stay inside of the house. Those those items then are uh, uh, also uh, eligible for PEP at the end, but I have to, we have to go for additional authorities through um, RCENT and, and get approval uh, for those over. And again, are there any additional questions? Okay. Well, thank you, um, everyone, for your great questions and participation. Uh, we'll now turn the floor back over to Major General Richardson. Sir, if you have any closing remarks or statements you'd like to make. Yeah, just to go back to the question that was asked, I didn't have the answer. I found my numbers here for uh, the 516 and 1234 and, and the numbers for the, the step side of the house that we're going to do. Um, for, for 516 items for Yuseti, there's 19,588 items that require to be transferred, more 63% uh, complete with that piece of it. For the 1234 non-defense, non uh, uh, or for the non-excess items for the Department of Defense, there are uh, 1,363 of those items, uh, and we're about 90% complete with those. For the foreign excess personal property items, um, there's 22,695 of those items, and we're roughly 51.5% uh, uh, complete with that, which gives you an overall percentage of right around uh, um, um, around 58%. All right, sir. Um, this is Carl Munoz again with AOL Defense, just to make sure I have that right. You said on the um, the first number was 19,500. And 63% 60, done. The second number was 1,300, and that's 90% done. And then overall, it's about 58% done with the transfers on the green side, correct? Correct. Okay. Thanks, sir.
Thank you, sir. And if you had any additional um, remarks or statements you'd like to make? No, I just thank thank you, every, everyone, for uh, dialing in the morning, uh, evening time here, so it's just about supper time for us. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, taking time to understand how we do our business, and I uh, just want everybody to understand that we have a very um, deliberate process here of how we get uh, going to close out uh, what we've been doing here for the last uh, several years, um, making sure that we're good stewards of the American taxpayer's dollar. That's very important to us. Uh, important to me since I pay taxes as well. Um, just want to make sure that, that uh, we have good accountability and, and we have audible trails of uh, where all the equipment's going. So those are all our things that are on our minds as we go through this process. Uh, so uh, thanks, and y'all have a, a good week. Thank you, sir. Um, and thank you uh, again to everyone for uh, taking your time out to participate. There will be an audio file and transcript of this call. I will forward this information to all participants once it is available. Um, thank you again, and this ends our roundtable.